You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Back when I worked in radio, my co-host walked in one morning and said, uh, there's just been some sad news. Someone that she knows or at least knows the parents of or something of that matter. There were some um, kids that had been killed the night before. And I you know, wondered what had happened, and she began to share the story. These kids were just messing around one night, as kids do, and uh, breaking laws doing making bad decisions and they had broken into somebody's house woken up the person who lived there and the person was startled as any of us would be if somebody had broken into our house and he did exactly what he had renewed his mind to should this moment have ever happened he went right for his gun he grabbed the gun the kids got scared they ran out of the house and while they were running for their lives he shot them dead When you face those moments where your endorphins are high and you don't know what to do and you've set yourself to react a certain way, you will hop right into whatever that moment is. Now, you would think that these kids would, that people would be like, well, this is why you don't break the law. In fact, that's kind of what the person that I was talking with had kind of says, like, this is why you don't do those kinds of things. And I thought to myself, they were running for their lives, and they didn't do anything, and they didn't, like, they didn't steal anything in the end. We really think that, like, capital punishment, shooting them down as they run, that was the correct response. And even the government of Michigan said, no, that man is now in jail. We don't live in the Wild West where it's my, my property, my rights, and if you get in the way, I can take you out, and there's no repercussions for that. Because that's not how you treat people. But when you renew your mind over and over and over and over again to people are threats and I'm going to take them out and I'm going to kill them if they get in my way and I'm going to walk through stores with guns on my side. I'm ready to be Captain America anytime somebody shows up and you can trust me, I'll make the right decisions and so on and so forth. And we renew our minds to a kind of thinking that is quite American rather than quite Jesus. Because Jesus' teaching over and over and over and over and over and over again is if somebody takes a weapon against you, you may find yourself, out of the love that you have for Christ and even for your enemies, you may find yourself in front of a weapon with a difficult decision. For Jesus, that weapon was a cross. Was he going to be able to take on a cross or no? Now, I don't have a martyrdom complex. I'm not just saying, like, somebody threatens you. There's no response other than to, yeah, go ahead and just hurt me. It's not what I'm getting at. But there's a kind of Jesus-centric pacifism that is preached all throughout the Gospels. And it's part of the reason that I think you can tell that Jesus was from another kingdom. Because the kingdoms of this world teach us, dominate the people who get in our way. Take them out. Kill them. If they push on you, you push back. But Jesus had a different way of teaching and a different way of pushing. 
A lot of people look at Jesus' as kind of pacifistic techniques, and they come to this conclusion that Jesus was just a, a pushover. Like, he, he had no strength to, like, go ahead and go up against people. But that's not what Jesus was doing. Have you seen the ways in which pacifistic fighting actually turns the tables? I've got a friend who is preaching in another country one day. <laughs> and uh, maybe it was the spirit. Maybe he was just feeling dumb. I don't, I don't know. Um, but a bullet went off. Uh, I think he was teaching a class or something. And a bullet went off by him. And like the students were freaking out. And he just kind of looked at the person. And instead of like attacking back and going full force, he just kind of went into this mode of like, oh, Oh, you think you're a big guy? You're just going to shoot me right in front of everybody? Hmm? You got a big little gun over there? You know, <laughs> in, the, in that moment, his response was like, hmm, well, come on, let's do this. And the guy just kind of laughed at him and put it away. He told me that was one of three times he's been shot at in other countries in which he reacted the same way in all of those moments. And when those moments, like when the class was done later, is like, oh, did I do that? Like, I could have died today. <laughs> But these kinds of different responses, it has a way of de-escalating the situation. It has a way of, of shifting the moment and turning things back on the people who are prone to do incredible violence. Not always. I understand that it doesn't always work out like we would hope. But the reason that we don't know that it can work is because we don't often try. When I'm walking down a dark street to church or somewhere else and there's a mysterious person around me, I need to be ready to try to practice my Jesus thinking so that I don't react in, in ways that could escalate a situation, but instead try to show people who Jesus is. Is that where your mind goes when you feel in danger? There's a pastor who was uh, walking down a street like that once and there was a group that came up to him and he knew that they were going to cause him some trouble, but his response in that moment was, hey guys, I'm, I'm, you're really gonna hurt a pastor right now? You're gonna do that? Like shifted the conversation, rather than him being ready to go, shifted the conversation to these people that were getting ready to like rob him, being like, you're a pastor? Did you pray for us? And then they like left. Uh, one time I came here to get some food bank supplies for someone and there was, two people that showed up instead of one. And this other person in the car, I didn't know what was going on. They were just screaming at each other and I couldn't figure it out. And I just, I could have been escalated in that moment. I could have been like, you all should, you know, just like ready to go for it. But instead I just kind of stood there and waited for it to mellow out. And it got more and more intense. There was like grabbing keys and stabbing each other in the face. And I'm like, Whoa. Guys, stop it. You know? There could have been a different response where Jamin was ready to punch someone and take them out and not show the love of Christ in that moment. But instead, keeping it cool, trying to live in this moment and trying to be calming down what's happening. There was a time when I went to somebody's house to help with uh, um, getting somebody out. I shared this story a few months ago. Uh, somebody was living in there who was trashing the place. And uh, he, I put my feet up on the table and said, when you're ready to talk, let's talk. And he threw the table across the room. And he picked my phone out of my hand. And he went outside and he threw it across the street and slammed it into the ground. And then he turned to me and said, you want some? You ready? And I said, 
you just threw my phone across the street. Now you're going to punch me in the face? I'm going to go get my phone. I'll be right back. <laughs> I didn't get punched in the face that day. Instead, I was trying to figure out how to practice the way in which Jesus wants to love his enemies. And that's confusing in moments like that. Because you don't know how it's going to end. For Jesus, eventually, it did end on a cross. I can't come and tell you that pacifism works in the sense that it will always protect your life. But you know what? The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's an old expression. The idea was with these old political powers, every time we tried to stomp out these Christians, we just made more Christians. Every time we tried to obliterate them, more just sprung up all of a sudden. Because your testimony has ways of changing the world. The way in which you live out Christ, like even if they kill you, that changes things. When people see that, that causes them to see Christ and say, what have we done? Jesus talks about if somebody slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek, let them slap, slap you again. You know who's going to slap you again? Hopefully no one. But if they slap you again, they really got to face themselves. They slap you once, and you're like, okay, go ahead, you can do the other side. That's a strange reaction. People don't know what to do with that. Somebody comes alongside you in the ancient world and says, I'm a soldier, I got all this stuff, and I can choose anybody I want to carry my stuff for me. I don't feel like carrying it. You, you do it. Jesus says, okay, go an extra mile with them. Think that will wake them up? No. Uh, see, we did one mile, you want me to do another one? Suddenly the person who's persecuting you doesn't know what to do with that. Why are you acting that way? Why is your reaction different from what I'm used to? That's what happens when you renew your mind to Christ. You respond differently, you react differently, and it wakes people up to see Jesus and the fact that there is another kingdom where things work differently. A kingdom that does not operate out of the amygdala. When you are in alert mode, your amygdala's job is to throw you into flight or fight, to survive. That's what that man did in the middle of the night. He owned the gun. He was ready to kill should anything be a threat to him. To the point that he's watching kids run away and he still shoots them. He's living in the amygdala. Where is your amygdala right now? So caught up in the anxieties of this world and the things that could go wrong. And all the stories of what happens at schools and all the stories of what's happened throughout the pandemic and all the stories that have happened around the world and all these kinds of stories. If you renew your mind to that kind of stuff, your mind will live in that kind of stuff and learn to operate in that kind of stuff. Everything becomes fear. Everything becomes a threat. And when your fears become aligned around your amygdala and your protection, everything else becomes worth killing instead of worth dying for. The Bible talks a lot about making the fear of God important in your life. It's a weird statement, right? God's a father. We're supposed to love him and be terrified of him. <laughs> Let me offer a suggestion as to why the fear of God is so important. 
You live your life based on your fears. If your fear is all the different kinds of things that could come up in this world, you will live your life based around it. You will put up hedges all around your house. You will go extra distances to which you do not need to go in the average life. Your trauma will inform all the ways in which you're going to live for the rest of your life instead of healing. But, but, if pleasing God is your first fear, everything else falls into place. It's not fear in the sense like, be afraid of God, he's coming for you. It's fear as to how to orient your life correctly. So if my fear is, is God, how can I love this person best who is coming to attack me right now? If that's my primary fear because I fear God's concern about how I'm about to live, well, suddenly I'm, I'm afraid of the gun. I'm afraid of the killing. I'm afraid of, of the murder. I'm not afraid for me. Because once you start renewing your mind to Christ and thinking, what if something happens to me? You eventually have to start imagining the crazy kinds of things that could happen to you and say, is Jesus worth it nonetheless? And for me, I hope that the answer becomes yes with enough work of renewing my mind. You hear stories sometimes of people coming into churches and doing terrible things. My fear in those situations is you guys being hurt. As to if they come on stage and take me out, I have made peace with that. Because I think Jesus can be worshipped in that moment. But I'm also not living my life based on fear of such a thing happening. Churches often these days are bringing in trainers to teach everybody how to respond if, if any crazy kind of thing happens. And it's just not, in my mind, it doesn't match what Christ is looking to do. That's orienting my fears in the wrong place. How can I stay focused on Jesus and love the people around me? And when you do that, the stories change. The bishop in um, Les Mis, right? Jean Valjean comes in, steals his stuff, and punches him in the face and leaves. And the bishop's response is, hey, I've got more money and more valuables here. If money's the problem, come back. Let me give you some more stuff that you can take with you. That's a Jesus response. You robbed me. Can I offer you some more to rob if that's going to be beneficial to your life? Obviously, you're struggling financially. The bishop has his fears oriented in a place that, that really messes with the people in front of him. That really changes the way that they think. And Jean Valjean in that moment... How could I allow this man to touch my soul and teach me love? Right? He treated me like any other. He called me his friend. He called me brother. And Jean Valjean's life is redeemed in that moment by somebody's Jesus-centric actions. By the bishop living in the fear of pleasing God as countercultural and strange as it might sound, rather than pleasing his amygdala and the ways of this world. So with all this in mind, let me read to you a piece of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke, where Jesus teaches us how to do the backwards ways of love. 
I say to you who hear. Catch that first line. I say to you who hear. That's important because the rest of this passage I'm about to leave, Christians preach it all the time, but they do not hear this. I love watching Christians say, yeah, well, I love you. How's that feel? That's not where the rest of this passage goes when you love your enemies. I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. But we do not take Jesus' words of pacifism to a place where we put ourselves in abusive situations and we just let people trample over us over and over and over again. I've run into too many people dealing with trauma, and that is not the point of what Jesus is saying. If someone hurts you, like in your marriage, or is abusive, or these kinds of things, just put up with it. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is teaching us how to react to situations when they come our way in ways in which we can love the people best. If you're in something much more traumatic, you need to get out of it and talk to me and I will help you. But with cases like this, where oppressors come our way and want to mess us up, how do we think of them in the Jesus-centric light? How do we place our fear in what God thinks is best rather than the enemy right in front of us? The reward that you're looking for with how you act is not about how this will come back to you. Honestly, if you embrace the pacifistic ways of Jesus, there's going to be a lot of times where you get hurt and it feels like, well, Jesus, I tried everything you did and it didn't even work. I've been there. I have tried pacifistic things before and I have been trampled and nothing has changed and it feels like things have gotten worse. But then I see the fruit of it sometimes show up Sometimes immediately, sometimes down the road. But Jesus even tells us in this passage, you know, if you don't see it now, just know the fruit has already been rewarded to you in heaven. The Bible talks about reward in heaven all the time. It's actually not just like a, we all get the same thing when we get to heaven and that's just how it goes. The Bible actually seems to have varying degrees of reward. I don't fully know what to make of that. The most solid example I think I see in the Bible is in Revelation. The martyrs, the ones who have been beheaded, 
seem to get a thousand year head start on the resurrection life? I don't, I don't even know what that means. It's Revelation, so it's a weird book, and maybe I'm reading that wrong. But it seems like those who were martyred, who gave up everything that they had, who had a shorter life now because they put their fear in God rather than the fear of, of even dying, and they gave themselves over to God, God's reward to them in Revelation was a little more time for you guys to get a head start on this thing. If that's the case, we'll see. Paul talks about how we're all building up buildings right now, and one day the whole thing will be torn down by fire. And if more of your house that you've built in this time survives, there's kind of more reward to reap on the other side. Whatever the case might be, we're speculating as to what heaven is like We'll just have to find out when we get there. But one of the ways in which Jesus shows you storing up treasure in heaven in this teaching is that though people will hurt you, though people will want to lend from you and take all your money, don't worry about getting it all back because one day there will come a time where you receive that. One day there will come a time where Jesus will reward the kinds of things that you've sacrificed in this time. But this is not the American way that we sacrifice. We are about our guns. We are about our violence. We are about taking it out on others. All you got to do is go watch John Wick 4 and you'll see. <laughs> All of our movies, including our superheroes, are about incredible violence. And Jesus is calling us to a different way that wakes people up causes our enemies to step back. It's the beautiful ending of The Lord of the Rings in the book, not in the movie. In the book, hobbits go back home. All of the Shire has been overtaken by Sauron. And they have to... Um, Sam gets a point where he could kill Sauron, and Frodo's response is, no, 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 this man used to be great once. Maybe he can be great again. Don't kill him. Don't take his life. Let him go. And Sauron's response is very like, Frodo, you just took the sweetness of my violence away from me. Like, I can't keep being violent here in the Shire, and I can't keep destroying you because you have just shown me this kind of forgiveness and this leeway. And now it's all bitter in my mouth, all this violence that I wanted to do. That's a great depiction of what acting the Jesus way does. It wakes people up. It may go well, it may not. But when you renew your mind to Christ and you base your fears on God and you recognize that treasure is to come and not right now, your life begins to take on a different shape. So this week, as you're going about your week and you have a fear pop into your head and you're about to say, I'm going to live my life in this spot, my amygdala is on high alert, and I'm just going to stay right here, your response this week. Try this as much as you can, is to say, what would Jesus do in this situation? How can I fear God right now instead of this thing? And how can I respond in a disarming way that Jesus did? And hope that it goes the right direction, knowing that the Holy Spirit has powerful seeds of heaven when I lean into him. So Jesus, we give our hearts to you. We give our fears to you. We give our amygdalas to you. We renew our mind to you. We want to be resurrected people as far as we can be right now, here in this moment. Not someday when you put everything right and we're renewed entirely. We want to start putting that on now so that when people see us react in the way that the kingdom of heaven is, they have to look at us and say, 
God must be real, and this Jesus guy that they preach must be worth following. Help us put it all in right order. Help us live as you would have us live. So here's our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Renew it to your use of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we love you. If you have questions, let me know. Uh, I wrote like a 110-page chapter in a book once on peace. I can give you a free PDF if you really want to go on a deep dive of Jesus' teachings on this subject. Okay, we will see you guys soon, but Please, if you know anybody who needs food bank stuff, we have a lot of it, and we would like to distribute it. Um, we will hang on to it to distribute in future weeks uh, if it doesn't all get taken care of today. But if you know someone who needs it, we're open till noon for that. Politics of the Cross with Mark will be happening today. Yes? With Brian. With, with Brian. Brian will be leading that today, so make sure you join that group for the adult Bible study. Prayer room up there, children's ministry in the back, and we will catch you soon if you take off. Thanks.